the Adonis audio experience. Welcome everyone on this Father's Day special. We got Jose and we got Jarvis and man, we had a crazy game last night. Brooklyn Nets, Milwaukee Bucks, the Bucks now advance to the next round to face the winner of the Sixers or the Hawks. And that game is going to be played tonight. But getting into last night's game, last night's epic ending in overtime. I mean, what were your thoughts about that? And obviously Brooklyn coming out on top or rather the Bucks coming out on top and being victorious, being the winners of that crazy game last night. But, Jose, man, kick us off. What were your initial thoughts on that game and the well, series? Well, what's up, everyone? Uh, you know, I thought yesterday uh, that game was honestly, that was just a war. You know, it was great game. I mean, they were just out there killing each other. You know, nobody, neither team had a bench. I mean, Milwaukee had nine points off their bench. Brooklyn had none. You know, I mean, I thought Durant just did everything he could, man. He just ran out of gas. He had, you know, he had nobody, you know, he had nobody with him. I still thought they were going to win. Like, we talked yesterday. I told you, like, I kind of just, like, don't really ever trust Milwaukee in a big spot. They just, they just don't know. They just, like, don't ever do enough of the little things. They even had that dopey possession at the end when Lopez doesn't know the two seconds on the shot clock. It's like, little things like that that you're just never really going to fully trust that team. But yesterday, you know, they... I don't know. They had to, they just had a little bit more, a little bit more left. I mean, you got Durant playing every minute of the darn game. You know, he just he just had nothing. He just had nothing left. Harden on one leg. I mean, it was an admirable effort. You know, and you know, I guess sometimes it's just you know, injuries are part of it. Injuries are part of it. You know, and what are you gonna do? I mean, you know, nobody's telling you know Toronto to give back their ring. You know, or um, or the Warriors from the first time they won. You know, it's unfortunate for Brooklyn because, you know, in my heart, I believe they probably win this maybe even relatively easy if they have Kyrie, the way they were treating the Bucks the first couple of games. Mm. But, you know, I mean, it was just a fight. It was a, it was a fight. It was a grind. I thought, honestly, I thought that was a three. I thought Durant hit that three that tied it. I thought he won it on that. And what we would be saying about that shot if it won the game, because there was a second left, and, you know, Milwaukee's never scoring there. I'm just, you know. It's just not going to happen, you know. That's honestly that. That's I. Well, I was watching that in the car driving home last night. I thought I thought he had it. What? It was just an insane game, man. Game seven. I'll always remember it. it was so much fun to watch. Mm. The two most famous words in sports, or the most famous phrase, right, is game seven. You're right, man. That was yep. crazy, Jay. Yeah, man, that that was an exciting game, and it, it was what what I expected from those two because I, I I believe most people already had the thought that this was the finals, that whoever came out of this series alive was probably going to end up being the NBA champions at the end of the race. Uh, I mean, that's still left to be seen, but I mean, it was fitting. The, those those two were the two the two beasts of the East, and to see them go seven and eighty and even to go into the overtime was great. Um, the Kevin Durant shot, I wish it was a three because that would have been a hell of a finish. Hmm. And the way that he has played this series, and then specifically the last two three games, playing all the minutes and putting up fifty, almost fifty points both times. Man, I, I thought he put on an incredible performance, and I can't even fault him on that last play because you could see he was exhausted. And if he if he had a little bit of a break, I thought like you like you just said, Milwaukee actually didn't do anything to beat Brooklyn last night in that overtime. I think KD just ran out of gas because even that last play, if KD had a little bit left in him, that was an easy one on one drive over. Uh, Drew Holiday. Oh, if, if if he got mid range, I think we'd be having a whole different outcome. But you could tell he was tired. He he kind of gave the defense a break when he pulled that fade away from so deep. Um, I I, I can't. I, I thought it was a great series. 
and this has been one of the best playoffs, so that was that was good to see. Hmm. But my hat's got to go off to KD. I mean, what he did, and I think a lot. But there's a lot of talk about you know the moves he's made throughout his career, but the, this series showed that he can carry a team and go against a juggernaut like Milwaukee because he really didn't get any help other than a little bit of defense from Blake Griffin, but there wasn't really anyone else that, that stepped up for him. Yeah, I got to, uh, so when the game was going down, I'm like, there's no way Brooklyn's losing this game. You know, I was talking and texting with people and I'm just like, you know, if, if the game is close, that favors Brooklyn all day because they got the shooters. They're going to make their free throws. I mean, James Harden was 10 for 10 from the free throw line. You know, I mean, he, he had almost a triple double. And if I would have told you that James Harden gets close to a triple-double and KD drops 48 points, you would say, you know what, that's a W, right? I mean, you it just some of the things that I saw was that I also saw that Milwaukee decided to play to their strengths. Finally, they, they, they were acting like they had two seven-footers on the team. Like, they really started to play big. And you saw Brooke with the block late in the game. You saw Giannis really punishing dudes in the paint. Like, Giannis is unstoppable in the paint, similar to the way Shaq was unstoppable in the paint. Obviously, the game's different how they play, and they try to make Giannis more of like this point power forward type of role. But in reality, if Giannis played more of that paint role, we already know what's going to happen. No one can physically stop him aside from just fouling him and then praying that he's going to shoot, you know, no better than 50% from the free throw line. And I felt that Giannis finally started playing big. And then when he when he made that air ball free throw, I think it was in the first half, and then his brother is kind of like talking sense into him. Giannis made a couple more free throws and he didn't make it easy on the people, uh, uh, you know, in the paint in particular. And then he had kind of like that three pointer that was like a bank shot. But, you know, Harden had a bank shot later in the game too, uh, uh three pointer. So it, it is what it is, right? You got to uh, the bank is open on uh, on Saturday night for those dudes. But I felt like it was more so that. They started playing more to their strengths, even though I get I, I agree with you that Brooklyn still could have could have won this game because Milwaukee's offense was kind of anemic towards the end. But but what do you guys think about that dominance from that perspective? Oh, and I was happy that that Giannis, you know, he needs to understand what he does well and what he doesn't do well. And listen, eight for fourteen, that's like fifty seven percent or something. Doing that math off the top of my head, I will take that. As a Bucks fan, every time. I mean, please, that's okay. We can live with that. Can't live with you airballing free throws. And it, it, that, it's so mental with him in that, you know, he's sitting there. and Because the, now the crowd gets into it. That stupid rule now, that the 10-second rule that nobody even knew was a rule you know, three weeks ago. But, you know, finally he understands what he does right and what he doesn't do right. And, you know, they, you know, him and Middleton, they work together. Middleton loves his little... You know, his little elbow jumpers, that was like the shot that, that ended the game. It was, um, you know, it was nice to see. From a Brooklyn standpoint, I just wanted to say, because this would leave me heart sick if I was a Nets fan, you know, in the overtime, when they're up two, they have like five or six possessions in a row where they just can't score, and they're, get, they're getting really good looks. Harden misses two open threes. Joe Harris misses a three off the rebound off the, off the Lopez – off the Lopez uh, block on Durant. If any of those go down, they're going to win the game. They're going to be up five. And that's enough of an excuse for Milwaukee to absolutely crumble and disappear, which is what they were dying to do. And they just couldn't get one, especially Joe Harris. Joe Harris was terrible this series. You know, he's, mm. they pay him quite a bit of money to make these open threes that Durant, you know, Durant and Kyrie and Harden are theoretically going to get for him. He didn't show up. He didn't show up in any of these games. And, and we'll get and, we'll get to the Nets' uh, f- faults uh, in a second. Um, okay. But just you know, sticking with the Buck side of things, um, you know, what else you felt about what they did well? Because you know, they won the game. They won the game. Honestly, Holiday was a Holiday was big. 
struggling for most of the game in the fourth quarter, hitting those threes. He's, you know, obviously he's a significant upgrade from Bledsoe. You know, we all thought they overpaid on that, but, you know, this is where he, you know, made that decision worth it for them. The, the, you know, the way, the, the way he defended, the way they closed out, and they stayed together. You know, I like I said a couple times, like, you know, I never, you know, I, I don't ever think that team's ever going to win a big game, you know, and, you know, I was happy to be proven wrong. I'm a fan, of honest. And, you know, they, they did it. You know, he, I was so happy at 101, uh, 109, 111 that he didn't fade away to one of those dorky uh, fadeaway jump shots that hits the side of the backboard. And he took Durant on the block and he punished him and he dropped one of those baby hooks there. That is what he needs to do. That was that was awesome. That was the biggest shot of his career. And, you know, I loved it. I enjoyed watching it. You're right about that. You know, go Bucks. Yeah, I thought I thought the Bucks did a, a great job using the interior offense finally. Because you, you had the size and and I still don't understand why DeAndre Jordan wasn't playing for the Nets. I mean, that's their fault. Because you have one person that could go down there and maybe you know, get get into it with with Brooke Lopez and even give Giannis a problem. But, I mean, Brooke Lopez stepped up finally, and Giannis finally played down low where he his strength is. Because it, when he was on the perimeter, he was making it the, the way the Nets were playing defense on. They were just sitting back. They were staying in that, that three and just clogging the middle and forcing him to shoot, which we know that's not his strength still. But um, I have to give a lot of credit to Drew Holiday. Last, last night, that fourth quarter, and to see him the way he not only played on the offensive end, and he did struggle throughout the game. But that fourth quarter, he had a couple of big plays at the end, that last two minutes. Um, and then even on the defensive side, he was playing Durant one-on-one, and he wasn't going to stop him, but he definitely made him work for it with, with such a big size um, disadvantage. The Bucks, the Bucks played well last night. Their defense, we already knew their defense was their strength. Um, their offense is a little inconsistent, but Middleton definitely showed that when he's on, he's very reliable. And uh, I, at this point, I, I, I think they're going to go all the way. I, I have to say, that's probably I'm leaning towards the Bucks at this point. Hmm. You know, I'm kind of kicking myself now. I'm like, I should have took that bet when Jose was talking about the Bucks making it out or, or you know, something like that because, shit, look what happens. It's like it's hard to predict the, these things um, because when you have a team as as potent as, as the Nets were, um, barring, you know, injuries and things like that, which we mentioned several times, right, um, we just – we just didn't think that there was anyone that could that could beat a team like this. Um, I will say this though, there was a lot of Brooklyn hate last night from from some of my fellow Nick fans, and you know I even po- posted this on the gram where you know at least Kevin Durant came to New York. You know what I mean? Like I'm still a little bitter when LeBron came to the Boys and Girls Club in Greenwich to say that he's going to Miami, like, fuck that, like, I still feel that, and at least KD came to New York, and, you know, he didn't come to the Knicks, which it would have been great, but he went to Brooklyn, and New York's New York, and we got to back New York no matter what, that's, the, that's my position on it, when it, when it comes to you know, this, this hate that people feel because of how the team was assembled. But with that said, you know, there's always two sides to the coin. And the thing is, um, there, there's two points that came to mind when it came to just not truly appreciating this type of team. And, and maybe this is not the way we need to, we need to assemble teams moving forward. It's just a simple fact that character matters. You know what I mean? And the way James Harden did the whole thing in Houston and came with a belly and was partying with baby and, you know, dropping hundred grand Louis Vuitton bags at parties and in the middle of a pandemic, not wearing masks and this and that. And, you know, just quite frankly, not giving a shit, you know, and he's like, guys, I'm, I'm going to be this guy till you get rid of me. And then, you know, there's something to be said about karma. 
because, uh, you know, one person who's never wrong is the basketball gods. And you could try to put, you know, hired, you know, professionals together that are that are all Hall of Famers. But the basketball gods will always decide the fate. And I thought this was an example of that is that you can't cheat fate. You you can't just write in your your um uh your your destiny with Hall of Fame talent uh by recruiting each other. Basketball is a game of team and and you need that cohesiveness in order for it to work. And when these guys got hurt with Kyrie getting hurt, which was unfortunate, but Throughout Kyrie's career, we've seen this. LeBron had to deal with it in 2018. Um, And then Harden is familiar with just injuries when he was almost in the finals. And then Chris Paul gets hurt with a Chris Paul hamstring and and, and doesn't make it. So they all kind of know and, and, and have experienced those things. But now with this team, you know, we always said if they stay healthy, they advance. But, you know, lo and behold, this happened. And it, it. it kind of pains me that they didn't really have a contingency plan if it did happen. I felt like they were all just figuring things out and they didn't they didn't pivot enough and you know, I'm I'm just perplexed that not someone else didn't step up. Like even Jose and I were talking like I assume somebody would step up. But anyway, I threw a lot out there, but the primary focus was really like, you know, the Brooklyn hate. I don't really feel that way towards them. But I also feel like you can't really cheat fate. And and that's how it just went down for them, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I'd say, personally, I didn't hate this team like I had when KD went to Golden State. I don't know why. Just like an opinion thing. I didn't. Maybe these guys being right here in our backyard. I've always been a Harden fan. Kyrie, I think, is absolutely insane. But. Um, but Harden, I do, you know, I, I love to watch, and I think he deserves to win a ring. So I, I was kind of happy for him there. Uh, I do see how people would be upset how this team came together. It was just, you know, people don't like to see players have their own fate and be able to have their, you know, be able to like control their own destiny. And you know, these two guys coming together and just signing as free agents on one team here, and then Harden coming later. And I don't know if Harden was always part of the plan or not. But, like, basketball, like, you still need to show up. You still need to play. This entire regular season, they never played together. Somebody was hurt. I can't remember if one of them got COVID or not. But um, 72 games, they played together, like, eight or nine times. And, like, you have to show up. You have to play together. You have to have cohesion. Like, they they were never there together. I thought that it was going to be hard. They didn't think there were the playoffs, the two-month grind. They're going to stay together. They couldn't be together for a, for like a five-month regular season. It, it's unfortunate. You know, they have t- – I mean, they're not the youngest team now. I mean, Durant's going to be like almost 33 next year probably. You know, they'll have time – they'll have at least one more year to run it back. But, you know, I, you know, I think we don't give enough – I think this, um, you know, the wrestling and all that, sometimes we're doing it a little too much. But, you know, Brooklyn could have had somebody step up. I mean, my God, look what the Clippers just did after Kawhi went out, you know, to my beloved Jazz. You know, like, where was their Terrence man? I don't need somebody to come drop 40, but somebody come give me give me 15, show up. They can't even – they had nobody they could, you know, bring off the bench, honestly, because they gutted the team to bring Harden there. Because, you know, they could have used somebody like uh, a Karis LeVert or something like that. But um, I know I kind of probably went all over the place too, but, you know, that – yeah, no, but it. keep that going though. Like you know, uh, you, you trade away a lot of key pieces with like, like you, you're telling me Jared Allen wouldn't have been pivotal in this series. Um, well, he was the one that should have never got rid of. That was the worst one. That's why I thought yeah, three weeks ago. Take my material. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Travis. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. You, you, no, Jay. No, we're on the same page. Jay. Not just the, the the, Jared Allen was the worst one, but yesterday they needed a creator. They just needed somebody else. So Durant could have gotten like seven or eight minutes of rest. That was it, because the guy was the guy had nothing left. You know, because you gutted the team. That team last year in the bubble, 
they weren't good, but they were fun, and they were deep. Um, uh, Dinwiddie, uh, Dinwiddie's on the team, but he's still hurt. And Lavert, they just needed one of those guys. But when you rip the team apart to get one guy, you now have no depth. And and then one guy gets hurt, and you look at you, look at this, you know. But I mean, it was crazy. I, nobody gave the Clippers a chance, and like they, I never would have saw that coming. I thought you could have got that from somebody. And again, Joe Harris. You know, I would have walked around the streets of Brooklyn for a few months because that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I was on the I was on the same page, and you basically just said what I was going to say. I mean, as far as the the hate for Brooklyn and what the what the way this team came together, I never had a problem with this one, like I did with the Golden State or even with the Miami with uh Dwayne Wade and Bron and Bosh. But this one was a little different. Um, I looked at this one. This one to me was more similar to the Celtics. When they got together, they're, they're, I mean, Blake Griffin's definitely not the Blake Griffin of the Clippers. He's he's not that player anymore. LaMarcus Aldridge hasn't been that great in, for a couple of years. So even when he was coming, I really didn't have a problem with that. And the James Harden, I don't think that was a plan. But him coming over, him and KD have played together before. So it wasn't like it was something something new. And they, are, they were already friends. So I wasn't surprised by that. And to me... Kyrie, as good as he is, Kyrie's still not the guy. Kyrie's a great second guy, but Kyrie's not going to carry any team by itself to a championship. Um, so I, I didn't really have a problem with that, the way this team came together in that way. But like you were just saying, I did say when this, when that, when it was originally just Kyrie and KD, and then I thought that team was great because of. Karis LeVert and because of Jerry Allen and because of Spencer Dinwiddie, and then they had they had DeAndre Jordan who was playing and still playing at a decent level for what his role is. So to have him coming off the bench and, and have Jerry Allen with being the younger one, bringing that energy in the starting five with his defense, I was like, this team is they have everything they, they need. But then when the Harden trade came, I felt the same way you guys just felt. I was like, I think you gave too much up. Because, yeah, Harden's great, but they had depth before. And we've all seen in these playoffs, that's what you need. Hmm. The fact that they had to play, they had to play KD every single minute, that showed that there was no faith in the bench at all. And they and they proved why. So, I, I'm not mad at Katie. I think I thought they they bit themselves when they did that trade for Harden, then, and it showed it showed in this playoff series that you you can put the three best together, but like you said, they only played eight games mm-hmm. together this whole season, and you you can't you can't rely on these three. You gotta have you gotta have that help. And, and Katie, he was I haven't seen Katie that exhausted ever, and you can see in his body he had nothing left. And, to, and, and the drive to the hole with that kind of energy, you, you saw what happened. There. That fadeaway was that was a the, the, a signature sign of fatigue. Just hmm. so. Hmm. All good points. I'm a I'm gonna try to flip the script just a little bit right here. Um, you know, the media is showing a lot of love for KD. And, and I feel like everyone's really just careful with everybody's sensitivities, so to speak. And what I mean by that is, how would this have looked if LeBron lost in the second round at the age of 33 after assembling a super team, regardless of who was healthy or not? Yeah, I mean... It's definitely probably a little bit of a, um, I don't even want to say double standard. I think maybe now people are just a little bit more used to the super team thing. Or maybe it's like on a case-by-case basis on how we feel about you. Because I hated when Durant pulled that Miami move, but I I despised what Durant did. I thought that was just the biggest chicken shit move I've ever seen. Going with a 73-win team. To Golden that State. Won, that, yeah, that should have won a title the year before. And they're just adding you and losing nothing. It wasn't even a trade. Like, they were a minute away from winning the title without you, and now you just slide into Harrison Barnes' spot? Like, <laughs> like, 
Like, like, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> so, you know, if Durant tried to pull something like, I'm, I'm pardon, pardon me, if LeBron tried to pull something like that, yeah, he would be vilified for it. You know, I got to tell you, I myself have personally, I, I, I'm not even really a LeBron fan anymore because I, the way I feel, I feel he's just so calculated in everything he does. Like, he's always got to spin the narrative one way. Like, I've never seen such a narcissist in my life, such a manipulator in my life. But, like, I, this is just me. I'm, like, I'm not really a fan of his myself anymore either. Like, listen, I, I can obviously appreciate the talent. Yeah, but he just did it again. I mean, he just – they orchestrated this whole thing. He went to L.A. and then and then Davis kicked and screamed his way out of New Orleans, and there you go. And, but, you know, but, you but at 33, you Jose – at 33, Jose. Yeah. At 33, can LeBron afford to lose in the second round? At 33. Oh, probably not. I'll say, but what? All things aren't equal. There was never a team this good in the East when LeBron was 33, and it, during his second. Oh, stint come on, season, that's baloney, probably- bro. He, he was mopping the bucks. It's not baloney. They, he was mopping the bucks. No, Giannis been there for years. No, no, no I'm gonna I'm I'm back him up on this one. Yeah, we have always said LeBron had easy pass when he was in the East. Toronto was his biggest, his biggest nemesis. He never had a real competitor to go through in the East, especially the Cleveland years. The Cleveland, the second time around, they swept Atlanta in the conference finals. Uh, uh, swept Toronto, beat Toronto in six. Nobody ever thought they were going to beat them. The one time they went seven with the baby Celtics, he was by himself at that point. And honestly, they should he should have he should have lost that final, so he didn't go to the final and get swept after. When he was there, you know that Jay Crowder, uh, Isaiah Thomas team went after they traded Kawhi, uh, uh, Kyrie. Look, go ahead, Josh. No, no, I'm with you. I'm with you 100. I've I've said this before. With with LeBron, LeBron's only competition in the East was that Celtic team. With I'm talking with Ray Allen and KG and, and Paul Pierce. After that, there really was no competition in the East because even, Toronto was the team that always came like second in the East. Yeah. Then you had the Pacers for that small period of time with Roy Hibbert and Paul George and those guys, but there really was no competition in the East. The Bucks were Toronto, winning a lot Toronto of games, though. Kyle Lowry and DeRozan. De, Kyle Lowry and DeRozan are not superstars. They were two really good players on a decent team in a watered-down East. So now yeah. the East was so watered down that Orlando didn't matter. Those t- that that Orlando team was really good, you know. Which which Orlando team? With Dwight Howard. With Dwight Howard? Yes, that was yeah, a really good team. But now, going, but now you're going back. Now you're going back to the first state in Cleveland. That's a very different Cleveland team. LeBron is not. There's no Kyrie there. There's no Kevin Love there, who I met last night at the Islander game. But uh, hmm. uh, you know, it was. It's a diff- You're talking about a, a different, a, a very different set of circumstances. And Cleveland probably still should have beat them. But, to you put know, it they, to perspective, Orlando, though. Yeah. Can LeBron afford to lose in the second round? Period. At the age of thirty-three, I think, I think we're not really grasping here the magnitude of that because honestly, this Bucks team is not a world beater. They're not. Whoa, whoa, whoa! They're whoa not. Now. Whoa, now. Whoa, now. Just to qu- just to come back with another question: Could LeBron afford to lose this Phoenix Suns team at thirty-five? LeBron's yeah. 37, though. He he, they, LeBron, he's not 37. Le, yes, he is. No, he's not. Let's, let's look it no, up. No, he's not. He's 37. He's still shutting the loss. He's still shutting the loss. To the I think he's 36. I think he's 36. They're not split hairs, but continue. Let, let Adonis look it up. No, no, no. Go he's, ahead. He's shutting the, the loss to them. My, my point being is that LeBron is much older, much more miles, and I just feel like the East is still an easier road to travel through to the finals it still is the fact is that you still had James Harden who could get a triple double for you in a game with one leg granted yes like they should have figured this out better they could have still beat this team you know and I just don't know with LeBron it was almost like it didn't matter who got hurt he still dragged you to the finals even though the east was an inferior conference compared to the west we always knew that okay 
This year, tell me who on the East is better than the first five teams in the West. You, you know what I'm saying? The West is still much stronger. It's a much stronger league still, even till this day. And this Bucks team has clear holes in them. They don't, like, Drew Holiday didn't really show up. You know what I mean? You got Chris Middleton who can make you your buckets at the end of the game. But then aside from Chris Middleton, who else is making you buckets within the last two minutes of, of the fourth quarter? You don't even want Giannis to have the ball because of his free, because of his lack of ability to shoot free throws. So, like, that team had clear holes. You know, you had P.J. Tucker playing in the fourth quarter. He's a non-scorer. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, he could hit your corner three, but that's his only move, you know, and then he's there for defensive purposes. So it's like, I'm just trying to figure out why so much empathy for Durant and not LeBron. I don't know what you're, if you're looking for, I'd say Durant, uh, LeBron is the better player. He's always going to be the better player. I've seen these little tweets yesterday. He's the best player in the game, Durant. No, he's not. So, you know, Durant can't do that. Durant can't drag this. But like, people went crazy over that game five performance, and it was brilliant, and it really was. But, like, LeBron did that for, you know, for for, for, for an entire series sometimes. I mean, God, look what he did in 2015 after Kyrie went out and won two finals games with Del Vadova as his second guy. <laughs> LeBron's the better player. LeBron's the better player, so he's going to be held to a higher standard. So probably he doesn't get away with losing in the second round. But, you know, both things can be true. I can still tell you he did not face in the East a team as good as Milwaukee. And there was, none of those teams was there as guy as good as Giannis. That's just a fact. Hmm. On, on that Toronto team, on that Indiana Roy Hibbert team, on that Atlanta team that was the one seed one year with the, you know, that was the, probably the worst one seed in like the last 25 years. They just wasn't, that wasn't there. He knew when he had, when he could turn it on, when he could turn it off. And that's, that's really just, just what it is. So, you know, comparing, I know what you're trying to do comparing the two, but I, I don't think, um, I mean, listen, Durant's going to be hard enough on himself. Like he's not, it's probably nice that nobody's kicking and screaming, but when you when your second guy goes down and or your third guy goes down and your second guy's on one leg, they, <laughs> you know they they did what they they did what they could. You know, I think maybe with LeBron he could have found a way to steal this thing, but it is it is what it is. I I don't agree with that at all. I, I can't I can't. And this isn't even hating on LeBron. Me me and Rex actually got into this last night while watching the game at work. Um, KD, KD won. I mean, everybody talks about LeBron. We've never seen a specimen like LeBron, but to me, that's not true. LeBron is just a stronger Magic Johnson to me. Magic Johnson did the same thing LeBron does, and he and just the shooting was a little different. But Magic Johnson, remember, his career was cut cut short. Magic still probably could have played till 90, 96, 97. He lost about four or five years with the whole. HIV thing and not being knowledgeable that he could still play. But Magic was the same type of player as LeBron. KD, we've never seen a seven-footer that can dribble, take you from take you off the dribble, hit from damn near half court. He can shoot just like Steph. Mm. Like we've never seen a specimen like KD in this league ever. I think I think LeBron hasn't really been been tested one-on-one other than KD in the, in the playoffs with, with the golden state. Yes. You had a, a whole squad, but one-on-one who really could stop LeBron on that, that golden state team. There was nobody there uh, until KD came. And the same thing goes with Giannis. You say, you say that Gian, that LeBron probably would do the same thing that KD did in game five. I don't believe that because LeBron would have had to guard Giannis and Giannis is a good defender. I think Giannis would have shut, not shut him down, but he definitely would have gave LeBron problems. And not even this LeBron. I get, we could get, I give you three years earlier, LeBron. Giannis would have gave him problems because of his size and because he's a great defender. I don't think LeBron would have pulled out what KD did these last three games because LeBron's offense isn't as as unstoppable as KD is. KD. I love playing defense as a basketball player. I look at a KD. 
how do you guard that a seven footer that can shoot over you? So you can't play. You got to play him tight. When you play him too tight, he can go around you. He can post you up. He can beat you in so many ways. Where LeBron is all about power. LeBron reminds me of Shaq a lot when it, but just at a different position. LeBron uses his size more than anything else and his strength, but he's not. I don't fear his shooting. I let him sit outside all day. And yeah, he can hit those threes once in a while. He gets hot, but he's not a consistent shooter. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're that far off. I think Le- like, and, and like you said, LeBron has created a lot of his his own narratives and and all this stuff that a lot of a lot of the hate that comes to LeBron as a competitor was brought on by himself. Other than KD moves to Golden State, what has KD really done that you you need to that people are mad about? So I think I think a lot of stuff that LeBron gets is a lot of his own. He brought on himself, and I mean, for me, I never forgot the Miami thing after he lost that first final and he quit and he didn't show up against Dallas and everybody jumped on him and I never forgot what he said. The rest yeah. of you go live your poor lives. I'm, I'm still gonna be good. Mm. That's why a lot of people don't forgive what he what he has done because he yeah. showed his true colors then. And then he tried to and then he tried to change his narrative. Ever since then, he's tried to play this new role, but it's all it's all created and everybody knows it. And that's why it's hard. That's why he's held to a different standard. The whole I'm the greatest now. I, at that moment, I became the greatest, the goal. No, no, you can't do that. <laughs> Just because you beat one team, it, it, he a lot of it is his own thing. That's why I I, I don't feel bad for him. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, he's just a, like, you know, I said, I was rooting for him like hell in that 2016 finals. And I even made a couple of bucks on it, but, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> I, you know, I agree. And he's just, he's just like a new level of like, no, it's just, a, and I mean, that's that. I remember that like it was yesterday too, what he said after game six in 2011, like, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's got their, you know, their, their lives and, you know, and I'll go back to like my palace and I just, you know, He's the better. It's, I mean, to me, he's always going to be the better player. But you know, it doesn't mean you have to love everything he does. And you know, I don't think he's going to be the goat over over Jordan. And I know he's like you know screaming and pleading for. But you know, he's already had you know like the longest prime we've ever seen. I mean, he's 36 and he's a top five player. Like none of these guys are going to. You know, it's insane. Like just look at the draft class that he came in with, and like you know, Bosh retired, Wade retired for a couple of years now. This guy at the top of his game, you know, Mello, a rotation guy on 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 Portland, you know, it's insane, you know, and I know that they're all a couple of years older than him because he went to college, but um, no, I mean, I agree with Jarvis, I agree, it's you know, he's always got to control his narrative, even when he went to Cleveland and he sold it, he sold it as this "I'm coming home" nonsense. It was just a better basketball situation for him, and that was how that's that's how you could sell it. You'll never, you'll, I'll never be, nobody will ever convince me otherwise. Wade was on one knee. There's a young Kyrie <laughs> over here. They had the number one pick. I swear to God. I, don't, this oh, yeah, yeah, you're, I agree with you 100%. You know, everybody went, saw D-Wade was deteriorating. Everybody yeah, saw that. He went, yes, sir, they got ran off the floor in the 2014 finals after they should have lost the 2013 finals to San Antonio, both of them. And he was like, oh, I can't win here anymore. And that was it. And then on top of the fact that Pat Riley didn't let him run the organization like Cleveland would, you know, he was like, all right, I'm going to leave. And then, and then that's when, you know, they he went and got somebody to write that dopey sports illustrated article about him coming home and all this crap. That's all it was. Now, that's all it really was. Now, what about in 2018 when LeBron drops 50 points? Right in that playoff game where J.R. Smith forgot that he was at the game, <laughs> you know, and then J.R. Smith, you know. <laughs> and then LeBron's getting interviewed, and after the interview, he he he's wearing like he's like in this like kind of really tight shorts like look like I don't know it was very and he had his shades on or you know I I forget if he had his shades on or off, but then after the interview. He picks up his his bag or like his man purse and he walks off the stage with his head up high with disappointment like the ultimate diva. And I thought that that was the funniest shit. I don't know if you guys remember that scene, but that was funny as hell, man. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I, I remember that. Oh, that was a game. That was such a great game. But, yeah, but you know what overshadowed that? You know what overshadowed that game? Well, and these are the things. These are the things. When when uh, when Jr. made that dumbass mistake, which I I don't blame LeBron. You should be upset because he should have known what was going on. And LeBron played his ass off that game. I give him credit. But we know what stood out for me that game is when he went to the bench and he pouted. Instead of just getting the team and saying, you know what, all right, we're going in overtime. Let's do, let's just make it up here. LeBron quit at that moment. That overtime, he never showed up that overtime. He already checked out after that mistake was made. And that's what I always remember. If you ever watch the footage of it, you can watch and see he quit. He was already just like, I'm done. Like, I, I gave everything I could, and there's overtime. I don't got nothing left. So you guys messed it up. And even when he got interviewed, he, all he said was, I, I, I showed up. Like, everything was, I did what I was supposed to do. I don't know about them. Those are those are the things. I mean, the, the I, thing I is, have a question. The, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I have a question. Because I, I know you just brought this up a little while ago, and I want to chime in. Because I keep hearing this. The, the prime thing. He's 36, and we've never seen someone go this far in their prime. And it's throwing me off. Because I, 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 I love basketball. I read a lot of it. I know the history. What 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 about this prime is so special? Because yeah, LeBron came, he was 18. And people always want to jump on it. And I get it because he jumped into the NBA at 18 and he had to learn the curves and he's playing against grown men as an 18 year old and his mileage is up there. But how does that make it any worse than the guys that prior to him that did their two, three years in college? They're still getting beat up. He's 36, and he's still okay. a top I, seven I, I, player, I, probably. I know, I know, and, I, and that's what I was going to say. Let me finish, let me finish. Okay. So, LeBron LeBron came at 18. He's been in the league for for now, what, 18 years? This is going to be the 18th season coming up? Yeah. 18th season, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do you do with, what do you do with, okay, so Jordan plays 15 in the NBA. Jordan also played three in college. Oh. Right? So Jordan played 18 seasons as a, a player. Let's just say he did 18. He took a year off, so LeBron gets the edge there. But, but, but Jordan, Jordan was not relevant the last three. At 36, do you forget at 36? 98, Michael was 36. Still led the league in scoring. Still MVP. Still the top guy. Still dominating. So that's why I'm wondering, like, why do we give LeBron so much credit when Jordan was doing better than him at the same age with lesser talent? Yeah, but taking those years off, I think, does make an impact. Um, I mean, we're talking about, you know, Jordan had two years that he took a break. Yeah, but you, you talk about the mileage. You can't really compare the mileage because Michael Jordan played almost 82 games every year of his career. Other than his second year in the league, Michael played 82 games almost every year. So the, the balance almost in the season, you, it kind of evens out. In the playoffs, I don't give that. Everybody comes with the playoff thing like, oh, LeBron has all these playoff stats. No, but, but no, in you all. Can't, you can't count that because Jordan got rid of people quicker. He played less games because he was dominating. LeBron has played more games because he's going to game seven in all these different levels of the playoffs. So he's playing more games. Because he's losing more games. But but Jay, it's 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 a loaded. It's there's there's too much there's too much to put into context into all of that. Like you threw a lot in it, you know what I mean? And it just sounds like the wrath of LeBron hate is just really coming at its crescendo right now. And I get that. I'm you just know, saying, you got to really do the numbers though. But but to, to really give someone that kind of credit. But here's some context. LeBron is the first player to live up to the hype, okay? Because the hype post-Jordan era was built on every player. It was on Iverson. It was on Penny. It was on It was on everybody, okay? LeBron's the first guy to actually be hyped up to this level, to GOAT level at the age of 18, and lived to the hype. Sports Illustrated dubbed him the chosen one, right? Tattooed on his back. And he lived up to that hype. The other context is that the league is younger today 
at LeBron's age than it was at Jordan's age. At Jordan's 36-year-old age, the league was at its oldest. So Jordan was playing against his contemporaries. He wasn't playing against younger guys who literally, it's a track meet. And listen, we know NBA players, okay? And when we ask them about this league, the difference is that it's a track meet and they openly admit guys who played in the 90s that says that say it would have been harder today just because it's so fast it's a track meet dude and the thing is when jordan was at his highest powers in 96 and still won the mvp and scoring titles and all that the league was at its oldest and that's a fact. That's what Kobe said that. Kobe said it was hard for him to get in because the league would at its oldest. Today, the league is at its youngest where you have guys like Trey Young who own the league and guys like that. So the pace and speed that it's moving at is unbelievable. And the fact that LeBron James can be a top five player when the league has changed within his career, within his prime, and he could still do that, it's different. It would have been a different story if the league was old and guys like Melo were still like the face of their team and all these other guys and, and D. Wade was still the face of his team and, and you know, uh, you got uh, Chris Paul being the face of his team instead of, you know, a supporting role to the younger guys who are moving this league forward. It'd be a different conversation. But the fact that he's doing that with the league that's this young, and still making all NBA and setting that record of most all NBAs ever by a player, that is significant. And we're talking about a player who does not score first, okay? And yet, he's going to be the all-time leader in scoring when it's all said and done. Like, it's like, you know, LeBron is LeBron, you know what I mean? Regardless of how you want to like it and it's probably the annoying part because you may not like his personality or how he comes about doing things but he's so damn good it's just annoying i guess to some but he's the man you know you got to give him his love yeah this is, this is what i meant to say before like i believe this year he crossed over the fifty thousand minutes for a career uh total i I should double check this, but I think I remembered it properly. I'm pretty sure Kareem and Carmelo are the only other guys to get the 50,000 minutes. That's what I'm saying. The mileage he's put on his body on top of the years. I understand some other guys went to college. It's, it's maybe it's not the long, it's, it's just impressive. It's just insane that he's still this good when guys he came into the league with are shells of themselves or, or been retired. You know, it's just, you know, we're talking the 2003 drafts now. Like, keep, go through it. Is anybody even hanging around from the 04 draft? I'd say probably no. Chris Paul came in in 05, still kind of doing this thing. But, like, it's like, it's, that's just, that's how, that's a long-ass time ago. It's, you know, it, you know, it's he, what he did and what Jordan did. It, I'm not saying he's better than Jordan. I'm not. I'm, I'm never going to feel that way from the way he, honestly, 2011, it's something he's never going to be able to get rid of. And, you know, people hate all the hopping around from teams and whatnot, but he is, he's number two. He's, the, you know, the biggest freak we've ever seen, you know, looking like Carl Malone and can run like a jet, you know, that's just insane. That's, you know, it's insane to think somebody could do that. All right, Jarvis, I you got a lot. <laughs> no, I don't have a lot. I'm, I'm... Well, I'm, I'm good. I just always throw it out there because it's like we, we give them, and I get what you're saying with the the timeline, but it's just there's a lot of other factors that go into it. And even even just when you brought up the speed of the game, yes, I do believe the players they are way more athletic and they're way more well-rounded in their game. They, everybody can shoot now. But at the same time, we can't just say, oh, the league's better now. The players are better now because – the league doesn't play defense now. The league allows, allows you to travel now. Because we know they don't call travel anymore. I see guys, LeBron does it all the time, two, three, three, four steps. So there's a lot of factors that's leading up to all these points being scored. And a lot of that is, is, is hyped up now. There's no defense. So are we giving credit to this new league because they can 
run up and down the court and put the ball in the basket like a layup line and they're playing like street ball? Or do you give credit to, to me, to me, I just had this conversation with a 77 year old man that has watched Will Chamberlain. and He still watches basketball to this day. And we talked about it and he made a great point. He's like, yes, LeBron will end up being the number one scorer. And he's a LeBron fan, but he, he, he was able to be smart and, and bring this point up. LeBron will become the number one scorer. He'll pass Kareem. He'll pass Carl Malone, right? Mm-hmm. But he's in a league where there's no defense. The scores are 130 to 140, 130 to 120. Is that, do you hold those points higher than the, the Kareem points? Where this man, this man scored all interior, all interior points. He had no threes. If you take away the threes and you take and you take away and you give the same defense, whose points were, were harder earned? Whose points are more impressive? Whose record is more impressive? I'm gonna have to go with Kareem. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So I'm not saying LeBron doesn't deserve it, but it's like we can't keep crowning all these accomplishments like, oh, he's just the overall the best player we've ever seen. Well, no, the league is totally different. They're, the league is easier now. They've made the league easier now. And David Stern said it when he made this move back in 0304. He even said that because the ratings were so low, people don't want to see defense in 78 to 82 games, score games. They want to see the 100 points. So no more defense. We're just going to make, make it look cute. We basically play all-star games now in the, in the season. The way that the older guys used to play the all-star games, where it's lack of defense, we're going to have fun. Everybody gets their shot and look good. That's now the, the actual league. So I'm like, things have changed where the points, I give them credit for the stamina and, and the longevity and all that stuff, but the league is different. It's a lot of factors that go into that way. If you really want to compare different eras, and that's not even speaking just on skill, because I do think the league is more skilled overall now than it was in the Jordan years and all those other guys. So I just think it's more, a lot more factors to it. That's all. I, you know, again, this is why these conversations are had because it's, it's so difficult to, to match errors and, and people you didn't see and, you know, all the YouTube videos and all the books we read and everything else. And, and that's why this game is beautiful even moving forward because, you know, I, I agree we could play more defense. Uh, you know, they are more athletic. So there, there's some nuance in there where it's like, okay, how do you play the defense that us nineties fans really want to see? while also keeping the pace of the athleticism and maybe there's a blend of the two that 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 can happen you know going going forward but you know this is why i love ball this is why i love debating with you guys because we all have different perspectives and what we bring to it and you know and just just closing this out with you guys i mean i really you know i I really enjoyed this series and watching it and I don't know. It, it kind of became, I guess, a Durant-LeBron debate because I guess in, in, in my heart of hearts, I, I felt like, you know, the league really wanted to see kind of like Durant do this, you know, carry the team on his back, get to that finish line. And it's a little sad that we couldn't see it because I I don't know, there, there was a uniqueness to it where I just felt like everyone was pulling along with that. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate that it didn't happen. And I guess, you know, if you guys got some final takes um, on the game, uh, you know, spit it out now, brothers. Uh, you know, with Brooklyn, if I was a Brooklyn fan, you know, what would leave me heart sick is that they should have won game three and they screwed around and they just didn't, you know, they screwed around and, and didn't execute at the end there. And then Kyrie got hurt game four. I mean, that's, you know, those things are going to happen. But if you don't, you know, if you win game three there and just, take Milwaukee's soul right there. Like, you know, you could get one more win and then figure this thing out and give Kyrie some time. Cause that's all they needed was just a couple of days, you know, and then he probably would have came back for like game three of the conference finals if they could have got last night. Um, you know, but I mean, listen, they'll be able to run it back at least another couple of years on this team, you know, and, but I mean, I hope that I would like to see them not take the regular season. So for granted, like, you know, it's just like, I could just show up and Kyrie took like three sabbaticals this year. Like, let's play 
70 out of 82 games next year, maybe. I don't know. I mean, you have to develop that camaraderie. I, I still think that matters. I still do. I don't know. But, you know, this Durant was amazing last night. Nothing to be ashamed of. It, you know, it was a great game of war. And, you know, somebody had to lose. No, I, I think you made some great points. And, I mm-hmm. mean, for me, I think I, I mentioned this in the last podcast we did when it was being you, Adonis. This series, to me, actually was a – it kind of highlighted the super team versus the traditional, traditionally built team. And it showed it showed where the, the pluses and minuses are because a lot of people said Brooklyn's trying to buy a championship when they did this. And it shows you, you can have all these stars on one team. It's not a guarantee that you're going to win. And with the league – because the league has changed and because of the, the new environment that LeBron and these guys have created where we're just going to go wherever we want to go and just and fast track a championship, it kind of it kind of overshadowed those teams that sit there. And I think Golden State is a perfect example. That's why I don't, I've never had a problem with Golden State. You know, the Durant thing was different. But Golden State, everybody talks about Steph and – Oh, and how good he is. But people forget Steph was injury prone his first, what, three, four, or five years in the league. He struggled. Clay came. They were still bums in the, in the cellar of the West, West and that just playing together, staying together, and, and just grinding out and learning how each other plays. And it's a point where now you're really a team. Hmm. I think Milwaukee's the same way. Milwaukee, yeah, they changed like one or two pieces, but they've had pretty much the same team the last three, four years. And yeah, they fell, they fell, they fell. But then you get to a game like this, where let's say Giannis went out instead of Durant. I mean, Giannis went out instead of, you know, the opposite side of on, on Brooklyn side. Mm. I think that Milwaukee team, because they've been together so long, they would have still gave them a, a competitive game. Whereas there's so much weight when you do these super teams, and that goes for all of them. Miami, all the weight was on D Wade, Bosh, LeBron. One of them go down, who's stepping up? And there's nobody there. Same thing with, we saw with L.A. this year. They put so much weight, A.D. and LeBron. One of them went down, mm-hmm. nobody stepped up. You're putting all your chips on these two players or these three players because Drummond didn't even show up. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I think this was a, a good view of that Building and being patient and letting the chemistry grow, taking the hits, taking the losses is more valuable sometimes than this this quick, quick fast food team championship thing that we've actually seen it fail more than it actually has succeeded throughout throughout the years. Because even Boston, and I think you've said this prior about Boston, Boston gets a lot of hype, but at the end of the day, they really only won one championship. Mm. Yeah. And they failed all those other years. So, yeah, they put that great team, those three guys together, or four guys, because I thought the Wild on it, because it was a surprise to that mix. But they only won one championship. Same thing with that Lakers team that put Carl Malone and GP and mm. all those guys. Nothing. And they've always gotten close to the final or gotten to the final. And most of the time they failed. So it's showing that maybe that this, this super team thing isn't as great as everybody thinks it is. Maybe that, that to build a team and let a coach actually coach and instead of all oh, two years, we didn't get what we want. We're going to try a new coach. It doesn't work. And that's why I, I, I like that series. That I think it showed it. Maybe it'll change the league a little bit and maybe the super team thing will start to die down and, and get back to traditional, grind it out and see what happens. That's why I root for Portland so much because they, they're, they're sticking with it and hopefully – Next year, maybe they'll make that they'll get over that home, but we'll see. Hmm. Well, uh, everyone, thanks for joining us. All great points. I love this conversation. Uh, this is the Father's Day special. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. We got this in, even though Jarvis, you're a father of uh, two, right? Or I have two, yeah, yeah. boy and a girl, nine and eight. Oh, wow, oh, God bless. God bless, man. Listen, everybody, stay tuned. 
And, you know, congrats to Milwaukee and also big props to Brooklyn. New Yorkers, my Knicks fans out there, show love to New York, period. All right? Go Brooklyn. They fell short this time around, but it's it's all good, man. I'm sure next year they're going to they're gonna have a say in this. And everybody out there, until next time, peace out.